0: Anwar
1: Yes, Chairperson, thank you. I'm present as well, Chair. Good morning. Good morning.
2: Chair, I just allowed Mr McPherson in joint, so you will join us, Chair. Thank you. And we do correct, Chair. We can proceed with, with the meeting of today, Chair.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, can we have the agenda for the meeting, please? <laughs> Thank you, there we have the agenda. We have apologies, um, opening and welcome, I think before that, uh, adoption of the agenda, briefing by the DTIC and its entities on the economic uh, reconstruction and recovery plan and consideration of the first draft report on the public protectors remedial action and then closing remarks. Um, can we have apologies, uh, Mr. Okay.
2: We have an apology from Mr. Um, Mr. McPherson, Mr. Cuthbert, who is attending to party business until the 29th of March, chair. So he has submitted an apology, chair.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Um, can we have a move and a seconder for the adoption of the agenda as I just tabled it?
1: Let me just see. Mr.
3: Mbuyani.
1: Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, good morning. Good morning, colleagues. Uh, I propose that we adopt the agenda as tabled here today. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Honorable Mbuyani. Can I have a second for the adoption of the agenda? Honorable Mwatse
3: Thank you, Chairperson, I second the
2: move. (coughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Person? Yes? Just to note that Ms. Mutahoon also joined the committee chair. Okay, she's also present, yes. Uh, Thank you
0: very much. So we're going uh, into our first uh, main item on the agenda. Uh, So that is the purpose of today's meeting is to engage with the DTIC and its entities on its progress made in the implementation of the South African Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan to stimulate and assist the economy to recover from the economic impact of of the COVID-19 pandemic, as well as on other related initiatives. And I think we are to do the briefing. We are led uh, by the Minister, uh, Honourable Patel, and his team. Over to you, Honourable Patel, Minister Patel. Uh,
4: Good morning, uh, Chairperson. A warm good morning to you, to all the Honourable members who are present, as well as to the uh, uh, officials from Parliament who are present. Uh, I'd also like to um, <clears throat> to indicate, Chairperson, that there's a, a, a team of uh, persons uh, from the DTIC and entities that uh, are joining us uh, this morning. They include the Acting Director-General, uh, Ms. Malebo Mabichi-Thompson. There are a number of Deputy Director-Generals present, including Stephen Hanneville. I see Tanya um, Van Mielis uh, also present. Uh, we are joined by Mr. Chris Wood from the Office of the Ministry. Uh, from the NEF, we're expecting the um, a newly appointed chairperson uh, Ntabi Singh Muleko to join us together with the CEO, Mr. Pili Tetwa. So the uh, NEF is in uh, strong hands, the IDC chairperson, Busi Mabuza, uh, as well as the CEO um uh, TP and Chorcha will also be attending um, uh, this morning. I see Annalene uh, Chetty, and there will be uh, other. Susan Mangole is present. Uh, so, uh, to everybody, a good uh, a good morning, Chairperson. Uh, um, the Portfolio Committee requested that we provide an update on the uh, work that had been done on the economic recovery plan. <clears throat> and um uh, i would uh, wish to 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 briefly introduce the uh, the report uh, we've tried to keep the report as um, uh, crisp as possible <clears throat> knowing that there's a danger of um, an over lengthy presentation and a copy of the presentation was uh, circulated but with uh, your support chairperson if i can ask Tsulumushi to uh, to just um flight the presentation.
3: Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Ms. Mushi.
4: Great. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. And so if we um, uh, go to the next uh, slide where we seek to frame uh, the challenge, and just briefly recall that in the request uh, of the portfolio committee, we wanted to contextualize uh, where we got to with the economic reconstruction and recovery plan. And so we recall that the new administration, uh, when it took office in 2019, uh, focused uh, or put a high focus on growing the economy. Uh, At the inaugural SONA, President Ramaphosa identified the structural constraint to growth and announced the reimagined industrial strategy. And he indicated that among the many legs of the uh, reimagined industrial strategy would be a big focus on unlocking the opportunities uh, in the rest of uh, on the rest of the African continent through uh, integrating African markets. And one of our key instruments is the African Continental Free Trade Area. And secondly, growing domestic production through a localization strategy in which we are able to produce competitively products for the local market. Uh, And we began to implement that uh, immediately after that first inaugural SONA, and uh, members uh, may recall the uh, framework that was sketched out in the trade industry and competition portfolio in the first budget speech. But in March 2020, of course, COVID struck with devastating health and economic uh, consequences, And the DTIC redirected its effort to support the health system, protect livelihoods, uh, and uh, promote um, uh, efforts uh, for local industries to supply the market. Uh, There was a steep decline during the hard lockdown. The economy began to rebound from the middle of, uh, uh, from the latter part of 2020 through to 2021, while managing new waves of the pandemic. As the economy had begun to build momentum, the July unrest in KZN and Teng interrupted the growth surge. It didn't uh, completely reverse it. Uh, and we make the point that while the physical damage was restricted to firms in the two provinces, the negative impact has been felt throughout the economy. And after July last year, the focus has shifted to consolidating responses to COVID-19 and the unrest while uh, working around three strategic objectives that I will uh, come back to later, which is industrialization, transformation, and building a capable state. The next slide um, uh, makes the point that the economic reconstruction recovery plan responds to both COVID-19 and the July unrest while laying the groundwork for a more sustainable, resilient, and inclusive economy. It was developed in three phases. The first phase started uh, really, as soon as um, uh, uh, the pandemic uh, was um, uh, had hit our shores, and from March, but particularly from 2020 through to October, a lot of the groundwork for the ERRP was laid. In the second phase, it was the negotiation and the completion of the ERRP document, which was in October 2020. And the third phase was responding to the July unrest while accelerating implementation, and that was from July, August last year to date. The next uh, slide really uh, just highlights some of the key elements of the ERRP. They include, uh, for the DTIC, obviously important, the strategic localization, industrialization, and export promotion. Uh, For the departments of government dealing with infrastructure, there was the commitment to uh, rethinking uh, the speed and scale of infrastructure rollout, a new paradigm for energy in which um, the president made announcements around uh, a new energy deal with greater private sector energy innovation, gender equality and economic inclusion of women and youth, an employment stimulus to create jobs and support livelihoods. This was the presidential uh, employment stimulus. A renewed support to grow South African businesses. Fast tracking reform measures for a competitive and inclusive economy. And strengthening agriculture and food security. So the DTIC's contribution to the ERRP, we're just going to highlight a couple of, of them. In phase one, from March to October 2020. Our initial work was on the economic assessment, and then we put a lot of effort into supporting health measures, and that was helping uh, various public entities to uh, secure stocks of people and other essential uh, equipment and laying the basis for what later on became the... um, uh, production of vaccines in South Africa. Uh, we worked on food and hygiene product supply lines. Uh, and uh, uh, honorable members may recall that in the early days of the lockdown, there was the rush uh, on shops and um, there was a real fear that the, um, the shelves would be empty. So a big part of our work was on maintaining supply lines. We worked together with um, uh, other parts of the government on solidarity and social protection measures to assist the vulnerable. Uh, that included the measures that was financed by the Unemployment Insurance Fund uh, to support companies and um, support for the Solidarity Fund. that was launched as, a, as an initiative uh, to try to um, uh, unite society around uh, various measures uh, to repair the damage of the pandemic, we worked on regulatory support to facilitate cooperation and keep firms in business. They included, for example, the Competition uh, Act uh, exemptions that were given to finance, to healthcare, uh, and to hotels. Uh, and then uh, the work around protecting consumers, the uh, action of the crisis. Colleagues and honorable members will recall that there was a number of instances of the Competition Commission uh, prosecuted firms for uh, unfair pricing, excessive pricing. And then there was global coordination and engagement to try to ensure that there's a globally coordinated response to the first wave of the pandemic that hit um, economies uh, very harshly across the world. So that was the, the work in phase one. Phase two was from uh, really one could say from October 2020, and there were eight areas of focus that we worked on. The first thing we did was to provide funding to support uh, various industrial sectors, including small and medium enterprises in the US, loan uh, repayment holidays that the IDC and NEF introduced for their clients. And um, that was one leg of the uh, ERRP, just the, the funding support. The second was the um, support that was provided in terms of uh, support to communities. And they included the um, uh, the revamped uh, training layoff scheme that was then renamed and expanded, the 350 Rand grant and the CETA payment holiday among, among a number of measures that were introduced. The third one was focusing on much more actively. By this time, we had uh, a number of months of experience of trying to find face uh, 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 masks and uh, various medications. It was even a fear at the time that we would run short of something as basic as Panado because we were importing uh, a lot of the um, the raw materials for it. So we, we began to repurpose working with industry, the local production of face masks. And of course, over that period, there was a massive ramping up of production of face masks that are used in hospitals, uh, surgical gloves, uh, project to produce 20,000 ventilators, the initial work around vaccines, uh, on anesthetics uh, and securing access to key pharmaceuticals, uh, test kit uh, reagents, and so on. The fourth area was competition measures. And there our, our effort was uh, to have flexibility uh, to enable coordination, at the same time to have, stuff, uh, to have tough steps against uh, price gouging, And uh, these were the immediate issues Uh, around competition, but we also laid the the groundwork for more uh, uh, effort by the competition authorities on economic concentration, uh, on ensuring that the economy is opened up for all and that there's opportunity for small businesses, for young people, uh, for women-owned enterprises, for black industrialists to come into the economy. And uh, the Competition Commission, Uh, recently addressed the portfolio committee on the report on economic concentration. The uh, fifth area that we covered was uh, global coordination to uh, assert African countries' right to access to affordable vaccines uh, and to support the African Union position to encourage vaccine production on the African continent. The president in particular, uh, during that period, Uh, chaired the African Union and um, uh, was appointed as the champion to ensure access for African countries to vaccines. The uh, sixth area was the risk-based reopening of the economy. We've reported to the Portfolio Committee previously on this area of work. The seventh area was reigniting growth to recover. And this is where we were now looking at uh, the longer term programs that were uh, going to that will provide us with the, um, the important uh, sources of future growth that were the AFC FTA and export markets. At the time the AFC FTA was stuck by the lockdowns because uh, travel was not possible. So we, we really uh, reignited the discussions in the AFC FTA. There was also great responsiveness to unfair trade practices. Uh, As we saw in that period, uh, as uh, markets crashed all over the world, uh, we had a greater pressure of trade diversion, where where products that used to go to one market, as that market bought less, uh, those products were often dumped in other markets. And the eighth and final area was job creation, special measures to support job creation through uh, the Global Business Services Package, an announcement of the infrastructure build program. So that was the the work that we had done uh, on uh, the eight areas. On implementation in phase two, localization uh, became a significant issue because retailers and manufacturers found that their supply chains were broken, they were not able to get products from other parts of the world in that period. So we held meetings with sectors, a number of uh, CEOs uh, from retail to um, fast food, uh, right through to hardware stores, uh, big food players, uh, in order to identify ways in which we could take this problem, this challenge, and turn it into an opportunity to um, industrialize. We uh, met at NEDLAC with the uh, uh, business and, and uh, community and union uh, delegates and um, uh, set ourselves a target jointly over the next five years of reducing imports by 200 billion Rand. The private sector appointed CEO champions and a project approach was introduced where we're looking at uh, achieving the 200 billion Rand reduction in imports and growth in product made in south africa by um, repurposing the the uh, dTIC and its entities in addition to localization uh, on the investment conferences uh, government took the decision uh, in 2020 to proceed with the investment conference notwithstanding the the uh, lockdowns and the uh, significant Uh, uh, reduction in investment spending across the world. And we achieved pledges by investors of 110 billion Rand. That brought our total investment pledges to 770, just over 770 billion Rand, or 64% of our overall target that had been set. The 2022 conference is scheduled for Thursday this week. Uh, the uh, work is now being finalized by the, the DTIC team working with the presidency, and the target is to have pledges and commitments with at least 190 billion rand, so that by the end of the conference, we would have reached 80% of the target because this is year four of the five-year target, and next year would then be the final year of the five-year target that had been set. There were a number of, in this uh, second phase, sector support programs that were rolled out. We signed the steel value chain master plan, the industry plan uh, in this period. Uh, We introduced an export tax and extended the um, price preference system and new investments were facilitated in the steel sector. On the furniture value chain, we finalized an industry plan with substantial upstream investments to alleviate board shortages. So that it was, was done to lay the foundation for more South African furniture production. On the clothing, textile, footwear, and leather sector, as a result of the disruption in uh, supply chains, uh, retailers work closely with us to uh, move to greater local sourcing and one element of this was greater investment in uh, production uh, facilities and the other element was we introduced the tariff rebate so we effectively reduced or eliminated the, the tariff on fabric in order to encourage uh, retailers uh, to do the clothing manufacturing uh, in South Africa and that was accompanied By an agreement uh, to support the local textile industry. In the global business services, uh, we uh, had an additional incentive scheme introduced, and uh, the industry association reports that 18,000 jobs were created 87% for youth and about 70% for women. So these were additional areas in phase two that had been focused on. Phase three, then as we, we got the program going from October 2020 to July uh, 2021, we were then um, faced with the, the unrest uh, that took place here over a, a seven to 10 day period. And the work of the DTIC in this period was first to, um, to do some work on surveying the damage, securing the supply chains and launching a fund. These were the the most significant ones. There were additional steps and I had uh, presented a report to Parliament last year in which we highlighted in a lot more detail what can be done. So uh, this is really more of a summary of it. Uh, The fund was uh, intended to support firms affected by both COVID and the July unrest and we took on uh, board the lessons from 2020, when the ID said also introduced a smaller fund of support, and there were significant challenges uh, with rolling it out at speed. So, based on that, a number of um, uh, of the lessons allowed uh, the uh, the entities, the ministry, and the department. To think in new ways of how to support uh, businesses in distress. Uh, 3.7 billion Rand was uh, mobilized, uh, drawing on monies from the balance sheets of entities, uh, shifting monies <clears throat> inside the DTIC budget, and um, securing additional funding from national treasury. To date, 3 billion Rands worth of projects have been approved. And uh, there's quite a detailed report that would be very good to bring to the portfolio committee going into all of the specific detail, but big picture, the, um, uh, the support that had been rendered since July last year, uh, broken down by key statistics, they involved uh, about 1,934 applications that had been received each application had been separately adjudicated and approved. Uh, those applications involve businesses uh, uh, with um, operations, physical sites in just over 2,000 separate locations. These would be from small um, kiosks that were damaged during the unrest to large factories that were burnt Uh, almost to the ground in that period. Uh, And uh, these firms that had uh, received support from uh, the the fund uh, employed 38,000 workers. So this assisted in either supporting uh, or saving uh, a large number of jobs, 38,000 jobs. The next slide uh, will then provide uh, a little bit of the learnings as we saw it. The DTIC drew on multiple sources to quantify the extent of damage. This included self-reporting surveys of businesses. So we, uh, uh, having learned from the previous experience that we needed to have a strong uh, evidential base, the evidence of what the extent of damage uh, was is important in... Uh, identifying what support to give. So uh, we we secured uh, feedback from um, more than a thousand businesses. We also took the estimates by members of the Essex Property Owners Association and the Essex Council of Shopping Centers uh, and uh, brought that into our dashboard to address the need to move with much greater speed than uh, public entities are used to. Uh, a financial package was developed within the first two weeks of the unrest and uh, the rules that were developed uh, uh, to take account of the challenges with the normal approach allowed the IDC and NEF uh, to uh, very rapidly process a large number of uh, the, uh, the applications. Uh, the department and entities also did a significant number of site visits and virtual meetings uh, and drew in communities. we addressed uh, community uh, forums, uh, shop steward meetings, uh, investors, foreign investor meetings, domestic investor meetings uh, and um, uh, of course worked with suppliers to keep the supply chains going. The next slide (coughs) uh, talks a little bit more about the um, the, uh, fund. Uh, The DTIC agencies worked in close collaboration to ensure a coordinated approach and partnership with the UIF, with SASRIA, and with CIFA to reduce uh, uh, double dipping, uh, to reduce the possibility of double dipping. And over the period of less than a year, the fund approved 3 billion Rand. and um, uh, colleagues will see the numbers there. 2 billion Rand has already been dispersed, supporting these businesses, not only to build back faster and better, but also to retain the 38,000 jobs. The retention of these jobs enable uh, employed citizens to be less dependent on social grants and to contribute through the, uh, to the fiscus through taxes uh, and, of course, to the economy uh, where they're buying power. So this was an important intervention. Uh, the next slide uh, that we have, this slide number 15, shows uh, some of the areas affected uh, with the recovery fund district support. So uh, uh, members will see, honorable members will see on the left-hand side, that the bulk of the support went to KwaZulu-Natal, and it covered uh, areas like uh, uh, Etikwene, Amajuba, Ilembe, Ugo, Zululand, and so on. And the number of sites in different areas are also highlighted. The second biggest one was Gauteng, and the uh, Ekuruleni, Tswani, Sedibeng, and so on are all listed. We thought we should just um, note that even though Western Cape was not um, directly affected by the um, the unrest in the sense there was no um, uh, looting uh, in outside of the, the the provinces that we had uh, identified, the knock-on effect of the unrest required, in some instances, uh, the IDC uh, to uh, provide support. Outside of the directly affected uh, uh, sectors. Um, and so this is one of the challenges that when a critical supplier that are based uh, that may be based in KwaZulu-Natal is um, gutted or uh, looted or burned down, then it has an effect throughout the country. The next slide, slide number uh, 17. Yeah, we just wanted to take a few case studies of the work that had been done through uh, during the period of the economic reconstruction and recovery uh, plan. And what they do is we decided to take the auto sector as an example to illustrate, but as um, uh, honorable members will know, uh, there are a large number of other examples, but just to, to show the connection between On the one hand, the Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan. On the other hand, the Investment Conference and the Industry Partnership Master Plans. Uh, These examples were were given. So taking East London as an example, the uh, city, uh, Buffalo City, had been uh, very badly affected by uh, COVID. And uh, it's... uh, most significant private sector employer is Mercedes-Benz. So the uh, the APDP, which is the master plan for the auto sector, had identified uh, the uh, framework, the policy framework that was needed to enable Mercedes-Benz to do a 10 billion rand investment in the new C-class vehicle that would allow that vehicle to be made in South Africa, but sold across the world. And the um, this London plant is one of only three plants globally. One of it is in Germany, in Bremen. Another one is in China, in Beijing. And the third one is in South Africa, in Buffalo City. Uh, and they produce the, uh, the C-class. In the course of rolling out the investment, uh, Mercedes-Benz found that, conditions favored them, expanding flexible production methods in the plant, even more to allow them to produce a greater variation of the C-class model, to customize it uh, to a greater extent. So they put an additional 3 billion rand investment in. It was a significant jobs benefit for, for East London, for Buffalo City, Uh, And we now have a technologically advanced plant with a focus on skill development, uh, uh, quite sophisticated robotics, uh, and a greater focus on environmental sustainability. But in addition to that, they've also focused on localization. So for example, the dashboard uh, that is in the C-class and the panels for the doors are now manufactured locally. Uh, by a company that expanded its operation in Buffalo City, employing additional, uh, additional workers. So this had a, a very significant boost on job creation uh, in uh, the eastern part uh, of the Eastern Cape. Then turning to Etiquini, um, Etiquini was... Um, battered not only by COVID-19, but also by the July unrest and the the challenge that it um, it, uh, uh, presented. Yes, with the physical destruction, but also the loss potentially of uh, uh, confidence, of investor confidence. So we had our work cut to make sure that there could be a strong uh, symbol of recovery. And uh, Toyota South Africa... Uh, had announced a 2.6 billion Rand investment in producing the Corolla Cross, which is South Africa's first locally produced commercial scale hybrid vehicle. And this vehicle, of course, is a combination of uh, internal combustion engine with an electric uh, motor. And uh, there was a substantial increase in localization. Uh, the company now has 621 parts for this uh, Corolla Cross that's produced in South Africa. And uh, that equates to about 2.8 billion rand annually in local order, um, sustaining thousands of jobs uh, in uh, production of tyres, profiles, mouldings, soundproofing, glass, suspension, spring production, the retail work the economic multiply, if we take all of that together, it's a very significant uh, uh, operation. And what that did was, it was uh, announced in uh, October last year when the first Corolla Cross uh, drove off the production line and uh, honourable members would have seen more of the cars uh, on South African roads in the last few months. And it was an important uh, signal by a major Japanese company of its continued confidence in the South African economy. The next slide takes a few more case studies. Uh, Turning to the north now in Suani, we we, we secured last year a commitment by Ford to uh, put 16 billion rand into expanding its South African production facility so that it's able to increase the number of vehicles made in South Africa. Those vehicles are sold in the South African market, but they also sold in Europe, in the rest of uh, the African continent, and in other parts of the world. Now, Ford sat with the challenge. If it's going to increase its production base in South Africa, but its um, suppliers were scattered all over the world and even uh, other parts of the country, then it would not be able to master the logistics of producing a vehicle on time and within budget. And so they worked with us very rapidly on the establishment of a supplier park in the Tsuani special economic zone. There had not been a a special economic zone in Tswani. And in 2019, at the start of the sixth administration, there uh, was uh, Significant amount of work rethinking special economic zones, and it's a point I will come back to later. And um, we, uh, uh, towards the end of 2019, uh, there was a decision the cabinet had taken that we would designate Swaziland as a special economic zone. Uh, that was uh, was done, and um, shortly thereafter, uh, the. Uh, partnership was forged with Tswani municipality and with Houting province. So that this became a new SEZ, different to all the other SEZs. With all the other SEZs, uh, a national government was really just the supplier of funding and didn't play any other role besides designating an SEZ and supplying funding. In this one, there was an active partnership and that supported um the growth of um, uh, new investors that were attracted to the special economic zone. 12 investors uh, have already been attracted and we'll be talking more about that uh, in future sessions uh, uh, of the portfolio committee. But we've now got um, uh, 12 new factories, uh, a number of which have been completed and production has started and others are almost complete. uh, And by... April, May, we expect all of them to have been completed. This was an additional 4.3 billion Rand in investment and expected to create over 2,000 direct jobs. There are further investors that are interested in coming to the SEZ. And the department has put on the slide the value of the construction uh, and the use of small and medium enterprises uh, to help build the SEZ and the amounts of uh, the uh, construction package that has gone to SMMEs. Uh, And um, the next slide would then um, uh, take the example of local industrial parks, what had been done in the period, uh, including uh, the industrial parks uh, where uh, phase one uh, approvals were given Uh, for parks that provinces are uh, uh, putting together in Uppington and in in the wild coast. The next slide uh, looks at the impact of the economic recovery uh, fund. And again, just to take one example, there are many other examples and we would uh, appreciate an opportunity to bring all of the detail uh, to the committee. But as an example, uh, the IDC uh, through this uh, support fund had provided grants to a a number of sugarcane growers. uh, Seventeen million rand was made available uh, to uh, cane growers, and um, by way of illustration, uh, uh, you know, just to show the hardships that were inflicted on ordinary people by the July unrest. uh, Eighty-seven-year-old Uh, Mrs. Mbele was uh, watching the news when she heard of the unrest uh, and she had not yet uh, known at the time that uh, her cane in Um Um Mdone has been set alight by the looters and she's run a farm since the 1970s Um, and there's a a, a quote there uh, where she said, the day they burned my sugar cane field was around the 11th or the 12th I'm heartbroken, I lost all hope. Um, there's also an example of uh, Muzin, uh, Muziniwa Ngubo, a small-scale farmer from Malangeni, uh, and uh, how uh, uh, Muzin, uh, Muziniwa has also lost everything. Now, we, we brought these because in our work on the economic recovery, we we focus on the one hand with your Toyotas and your um, Mercedes Benz, but on the other hand is also many ordinary South African workers in the big companies and small scale farmers and small businesses whose um, uh, uh, livelihoods were damaged by by the unrest. The next slide is is. Of economic data. So, what we've started off is the reimagined industrial strategy. Just as we got going on it, we had COVID eating us. And, um, honorable members will see then in um, 2019, still quite lackluster uh, economic performance because we we, we recognized off that base of uh, economic growth that we needed to do significantly better. And, um, if we just take 2019 as an example, uh, in the uh, uh, third quarter, uh, there was a, um, a minus 0.9% uh, growth in, in GDP. In the fourth quarter, it had risen to 2.9%. Um, uh, uh, and sorry, not percent uh, rand, it's billions of rand. And then it had grown again. Uh, This is now looking at uh, the GDP uh, in uh, the first quarter of 2020. And then uh, honorable members will see the very significant drop in GDP performance in billions of rand in the second quarter. This is now when the impact of the pandemic uh, was felt in the economy. As the economic reconstruction and recovery package began to kick in, uh, in the third quarter, there was a a bounce back. It didn't fully recover the economy. Uh, And in the fourth quarter, it uh, grew further. Uh, In the first quarter of 2021, in the second quarter, we again registered um, positive growth. And then in the third quarter, we had this massive drop, and that coincides, that is, triggered by the July unrest, um, and then in the fourth quarter, uh, a bit of a bounce back. The next slide just has additional metrics on the performance. Uh, On the left-hand side, we take the period from 2019 to 2021, using constant 2015 rands, in other words, accounting for inflation, and honorable honorable members will again see the, the, um, uh, the impact. In um, On the uh, uh, right hand side is the sector performance. And um, uh, we see recovery in, in progress in certain uh, of the areas and fully recovered. Agriculture is now bigger than it was before the uh, pandemic. Uh, same with business services. And these two are easy to, to understand that consumers in this period shifted a lot more of their spending to food products. And that also coincided with uh, better harvests that we had. And on business services, of course, both the GBS uh, sector grew and importantly, a lot more um, business services were ended in this period as uh, the old production facilities uh, had uh, been affected by the pandemic. The next slide just has more, more details of it, this is uh, in, in nominal value. And if we take the red line, which is the second from bottom, on the members will see the growth in manufacturing sales. So while it's above 100% in value compared to 2019, um, in, in real terms, it's still recovering, and we still need to uh, speed up the growth of manufacturing to be able to get to uh, the output in jobs uh, that are needed. The next slide uh, looks at scaling up the recovery. We'll go to the next slide. Uh, it started last year with the work of the DTIC on a new annual performance plan. It was an integrated approach with seven joint KPIs covering an integrated support to drive industrialization the AFC FDA export plan, investment facilitation and growth, the district development model, transformation, the green economy and building a capable state. There were early wins which will come out in the um, uh, budget vote as well as in the annual report. Uh, But some of these early wins included the joint response to the July unrest, which was more coordinated than before. The integrated reporting on industrialization and on localization and the beginning of a focus on district development dashboards. The next slide then talks about uh, SONA 2022, the, uh, because this heralds now the fourth uh, phase of our work. So the president spoke about the comprehensive social compact to grow the economy, create jobs and combat hunger. Uh, He identified new opportunities for growth in jobs, including in uh, green hydrogen, in global business services, in cannabis and in the social economy. The localization, uh, both for the domestic market and for exports uh, was a big part of our work. So as an example, Uh, It was highlighted that uh, South Africa has now produced its first anesthetics. Anesthetics are a critical um, uh, therapeutic that's uh, used in uh, uh, hospitals uh, during operations, including COVID-19 patients that are on, on the ventilators. And up to now, we had been importing all of our anesthetics And uh, we now are producing for the first time in South Africa and on the African continent, uh, anaesthetics. It's being produced in uh, Teberga. And um, I know Honorable Burns uh, Namashe had attended the uh, session where the uh, plant was uh, officially opened. uh, And it does this uh, propofol uh, under the brand name of Diprovan. And that is now being produced here not only for South Africa and for the African continent, but also to supply anaesthetics globally. Vaccine production, we've got four uh, major vaccine production initiatives underway. Um, the one that we had previously reported uh, quite actively on was the uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine in uh, in uh, and um, uh, Aspen, as a South African company, now has the the license to produce uh, under its own um, label. We also have BioVac uh, and Afrigen, and then the um, announcement by uh, Dr. Patrick Xiong of the um, uh, NANDSA uh, production. Public infrastructure was highlighted by the president including a big push to reduce red tape and focus on smart regulation, um, revamp the industrial and manufacturing potential uh, of the economy, uh, promote investment, uh, including in mineral exploration, EVs, renewable energy, and get the finishing touches so that we can now start trade under the AFC-FTA agreement in place. So these are the works post-SONA 2022. The next slide just draws all of this together and it makes the point that having been interrupted by COVID, uh, where the reimagined industrial strategy was very much focused on only the healthcare sector, or principally the healthcare sector, I should say, uh, it now will focus on a wider uh, uh, terrain. Uh, And that will be accompanied by structural reforms. It's a centerpiece of government vision. It emphasizes concrete action. And it uh, is about building partnerships with the uh, private sector in order to unleash uh, job creation uh, and investment. Uh, The uh, master plan is really the partnership in priority sectors. And uh, the economic circumstances uh, require... Uh, a sharpened focus uh, by the DTIC. And it's um, leveraging the full financial and human resources of the department and its entities to meet the need of citizens. The next slide then goes into what those key outcomes are. And this is uh, just a a, a very brief uh, preview of the work that has been done now in the DTIC to prepare for this next big push on rolling out the economic reconstruction and recovery plan. And the the new approach is focused on three outcomes. It's informed by uh, the country's needs to address high unemployment, poverty and inequality, and the need for speedy economic recovery. So the first outcome is industrialization. It's to build dynamic firms in the South African economy through a combination of efforts in partnership with the private sector. The elements of it include promoting the green economy, focusing on growth opportunities in the domestic market, building a wider export market, particularly uh, on the rest of the African continent, to assist us to get scale, and combining demand creation with supply-side reform at sector and firm level to build industrial competitiveness and to create jobs. So that is one of the three outcomes that all of the work in the DTIC will now be refocused to. Industrialization has always been there, but it's been one of many uh, different outcomes that the department sought to uh, address. So uh, it's now given uh, a much stronger primacy as the work of the department. The second outcome is transformation. And um <clears throat> the there are three elements that uh, transformation uh, uh, is 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 focused on. The first one is to address the structural challenges to growth using more active competition policies. This is where high levels of economic concentration is um, limiting the opportunities for new entrants, new investors, where monopolies basically, uh, constrain the environment. A uh, second focus is on spatial transformation to enable more balanced growth between the rural and urban areas and between provinces. And the third one is inclusivity and transformation in the quality of growth. And this includes broadening worker ownership, bringing in opportunities for women-owned businesses, black industrialists, young people, and more inclusive corporate governance models. So this now becomes the second big focus that uh, will uh, inform the work of the department. The third one is around a capable state that we recognize that industrialization and transformation uh, requires a capable state. That if uh, the state is to play a a role in boosting investment in in the economy through its own efforts in public uh, investment, but also in creating an enabling environment for private investment, that we need to have greater capacity uh, in the state. And that capacity is to ensure that national objectives are achieved through a new culture of partnership and promoting smart regulation through cutting red tape and ensuring effective regulation, reviewing internal processes inside the department and its entities, and working uh, closely with stakeholders in other parts of the state to forge the social compact uh, that the president spoke to. So out of um, the the very um, broad range of uh, outcomes that were put forward a year ago, the department is re- has been reworking its uh, annual performance plan to have a much more focused set of outcomes, to have it as these three and to connect all the the work of the department into these, um, these uh, three critical outcomes. The next uh, slide uh, deals with two other elements of our work. The first one is, and this is part of those three outcomes, but just two distinct elements. The first one is our spatial economy remains a source of deep inequalities. So if you look at the gap between rural areas Uh, and urban areas, so between townships and industrial areas. uh, We have um, not only poor service delivery and um, uh, concentrated markets, but also a lot of the programs are not sufficiently uh, targeted uh, to developing and widening access uh, to more more South Africans. Our own um, work has shown us that, uh, and this is in preparation for the session that will be held on the 18th of May with the uh, portfolio committee that uh, a serious rethink uh, uh, was required on how special economic zones and industrial parks function that there needed to be a much broader program where our starting point is not SEZs and industrial parks but it's special industrial initiatives and that we ought to have a plan covering all 52 districts and metros in the country, and that, um, that will then require changes to the SEZ and industrial park model, among others. On regulation, it's another area. It was picked up last year by the DTIC in the annual performance plan, and uh, honourable members will uh, recall uh, the um, the APP uh, for the uh Uh, the current financial year Uh, that now will be lifted further with smart regulation uh, requiring the DTIC to address red tape and uh, compliance in internal processes so that we can support firms better and faster. Red tape is often entrenched in um, uh, legislation that takes longer to address but sometimes in regulations, which are quicker and easier to, to change. And um, we're looking at how public policy objectives can be achieved more cost-effectively and with less bureaucracy. The next slide. will then um, begin to draw the uh, presentation uh, to a conclusion. Uh, and uh, it makes the point that governments' economic policy will be scaled up, the structural reforms of network industries, expanding and modernizing infrastructure, uh, private sector investment, localization and exports, uh, particularly through the African continental free trade area, represents the next platform to recover from COVID-19, but not only to recover, because we need to be able to increase the structural rate of growth at a uh, significantly higher than it was uh, pre COVID, uh, because our challenges are not only COVID related. Uh, we need to be able to provide many more jobs uh, to South Africans using the energy of the private sector, using the capacity of the public sector and the state, and working in partnership. COVID-19 highlighted South Africa's vulnerability to global supply chains in strategic areas. Pharmaceuticals were one of them, PPEs and vaccines. And we were fortunate to still have the scientific and industrial capacity to localize these uh, products. And um, localization has provided the economies of scale that now enables uh, companies to leverage off production for the domestic market, to begin to build stronger and more viable export market businesses. Uh, Few countries uh, can grow their export markets without without first building a domestic presence. The July unrest strengthened uh, our resolve to build greater resilience uh, and sustainable value chains uh, that create the potential for inclusive growth. It reminded us of the enormous um, uh, price of growth that is not inclusive and it remains a key objective to create a better life for all turning then to the uh, final uh, slide and that final slide i think is really just a um, a thank you to uh, 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 bring the uh, presentation to a conclusion and to uh to thank uh, the honorable members uh, for the opportunity to set out uh, briefly the different phases of work that has been done by the department on the economic reconstruction and recovery plan, starting from the time of the, the state of disaster, right through the July unrest and now setting the basis. So government's economic policy will be scaled up in this new phase uh, and um, uh, what uh, I think we, we have seen from here is the importance of the next steps. We will be bringing to the portfolio committee the annual performance plan of the department. It will set out the three key objectives. It will link these to the outputs for the department and it will establish the key performance indicators. We will also come back to the portfolio committee with uh the spatial transformation strategy that will recognize the challenges with the present framework and uh, uh, set set out the elements of the new spatial development model, that we'll be adjusting budgets and resources to uh, this more purposive annual performance plan, that the social compact that the president spoke about will require close working with investors and workers to develop a common approach and targets, And that in the budget vote, we'll be establishing the key priorities that the department will seek to have achieved in uh, the next 12 months. Uh, So I'd like to thank um, honorable members for this opportunity to highlight some of the key work that has been done and that is being done on the economic reconstruction and recovery plan. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. May I hand back to you?
0: Thank you very much Minister. Um, portfolio Committee members, Honourable Members, there's a quite a detailed um, report from the Minister on the Economic Reconstruction and Recovery Plan. I see the hand of Honourable Mulder. Can I see other hands for discussion? I see Honourable Thring. Okay, we'll start with those two hands. Honorable Mulder.
5: Thank you, Honorable Chair, and uh, good day to you, Honorable Minister Patel. Um, I'll be short. I've got three or four questions, all relating to the same. Um, Thank you for the presentation as well. Um, I welcome the fact that uh, mention has been made of of the necessity, the absolute necessity for a capable state. Um, because without that, none of none of the uh, other plans would actually be able to work out. And I want to be more specific. I don't see much mention made of the challenges that we've experienced with ESCOM. And the negative influence that the lack of electricity or, Regular electricity has got on industrialization at large. I please want you to to, to elaborate on that. And then the second um, question being about the district municipality model or the assumption that industrial growth would be supported by local government and we all know in what state local government is as far as lack of service delivery, roads, provision of water, electricity, et cetera, is concerned. So I I just want you to elaborate on that. And and then I want to ask you if it's possible, wouldn't it be possible for the Department for Trade and Industry and Competition to promote um, the use of solar power, for instance, to be able to, 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 to play a more substantial role or make up a more substantial portion of the supplying of electricity. I think, for example, as far as the closing down of certain smelters concerned in the manganese sector, for instance, where manganese ores were exported to China instead of being um, processed locally because of the lack of constant electricity. And then lastly, um, would the department be able to stand ready for new challenges, as they will most probably arise because of the Russian-Ukrainian war? Thank you, Honorable Chet.
0: Thank you, Vich, very much, Honourable Mulder, Honourable
3: um, Thring.
0: Um, He was on the platform earlier. Have we lost?
2: You need to unmute,
0: you. Oh, okay. Honourable Thring, unmute, please.
2: My apologies.
0: Thank you. Am I audible?
6: Um, thank you, thank you, Chair, uh, and thank you, Minister, for the presentation. Uh, just three request, me? Chair, are you able to hear me? Is your
0: video under the ring?
6: Okay, let me put my video
0: off. Are you able to hear me now? Yeah, it seems like my, my connection is also unstable. Uh, proceed, please. All right, Chair, I'll try to be as
6: quick as, as possible. Uh, just just three questions. Minister, thank you again for the presentation. One is it ties in with the question raised by Honourable Mulder, and that is the effect on, of our SOEs um, and the drag that um, SOEs that are not performing optimally actually have on the economy, and, and in particular, uh, contributing to, uh, to employment generation. So that's the first. Uh, and and what, is, what is actually being done uh, to either stabilize those SOEs um, or to bring about complete transformation within the SOEs uh, so that so that they can actually contribute to, uh, to the program of, uh, of industrialization um, or creating a, 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 a state that is very stable and a developing state. The um, second question, Minister, also is with regards to uh, beneficiation. Um, and again, Honourable Minister touched on this. We're exporting a lot of our raw materials, uh, creating exp- uh, creating employment outside of the country. Um, I would, again, like to see some targets in terms of what uh, minerals are going to be beneficiated by which date and also percentages. So if we are, you know, beneficiation beneficiating some, let's say, 10% currently of our steel, how are we going to take that up to 50% by when and then 70% by when and eventually get to hopefully to 100% or maybe even, you know, maybe not 100%, but maybe at least uh, a large portion of that being beneficiated rather than being exported. And the same applies to many of our other minerals. And then finally, uh, Benedict Dube uh, speaks about, he writes a paper about KwaZulu-Natal becoming de-industrialized. Uh, He speaks about the decommissioning of of ports, the shutting down of refineries, the non-performance of the agricultural sector, the bleeding of the tourist industry, uh, the embattled entire bank, um, KwaZulu-Natal growth fund losing direction, um, the repurposing or divestment of Tonga-Julit and so on, Rainbow Chicken closing down. Um, And if no intervention uh, in terms of what he positions, If no intervention is made in KwaZulu-Natal, KwaZulu-Natal will soon become an economic desert. Um, Your comments uh, on that particular paper. Thank you, Chair.
0: Thank you very much, Honorable Thirin. Honorable Mbuyani.
1: Thank you very much uh, for the opportunity. I'm raising challenge with networks here. However, I just
3: wanted to your presentation
1: by uh, Minister. It's very much informative and also it's giving us a direction in terms of what is it that this needs to happen and how can we be able to assist. As I'm saying, it's, it's a comprehensive. Uh, I like the manner in which he presented the, the the joint KPIs per department and plan, because you will understand the chair that that the DTIC is developing master plans per various sectors. How does the I- I- IDC align its priority sector for funding in terms of the master plans? And also, Chaperson, what is very much important in the presentation is the issue of the the strategy that SEZ uh, are now going to be changed in terms of the last phase of the presentation to say
3: if industrialized department because now we could be a special
5: i'm
4: not
0: sure if it's my if it's my network or honorable umbiani's network that's poor
4: i am also struggling me? to follow the questions um chairperson yes yeah
1: can honorable- i you can, can send it in the chat. Oh, okay. Yes, but I wanted to appreciate the presentation, and also talk to the the transformational agenda in terms of the ownership patterns of the structures, uh, the special inequity, uh, looking at the current situation,
3: You were so clear now, you're gone again. Okay. okay. Proceed. Okay. You were saying looking
0: at the current trend.
1: Yeah, looking at the current trend and the current report that we just received from the competition commission. What does the department seeks to address? Because, yes, we talk of joint KPIs, but we don't see the department really dealing with the joint program to say okay. the CIPC is also intact in terms of the NEF and the ITC. Because you will recall, Chair, that uh, this is the strategic department that needs to establish trade relations and also uh, transformation. Uh, Like for instance, in terms of the the key policy framework of the manufacturing, Uh, we do have uh, uh, industrial parks, but they are non-functional and more. How is the department seeking to achieve this uh, KPIs and also the APP? The other one is the joint funding of the IDC, uh, the land bank, and also the, the NNF. Uh, are they able to deal with these six uh, provincial, uh, rural provincial uh, strategy? Because you will understand in the, in the presentation, we talk of Tswane, Teben, and, and, and Western Cape. What is the strategy in terms of the industrialization that we'll be dealing with solely Uh, our rural areas in terms of assisting. The COVID-19 that has just uh, came to our shores, it shows that uh, food production is key, which is agricultural sector. What do they have to uplift those uh, provincial uh, rural developments that are there? Uh, I will pause there for now because of my connectivity. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Mbuyani, Honorable Burns Namashe, and then uh, uh, Honorable Malamaja.
7: Thank you very much, um, Honorable Chairperson and Honorable Members. I think the first thing, Honorable Chair, uh, is also to welcome the comprehensive uh, presentation made by uh, Honourable Minister, which is um, anchored and or predicated on three uh, strategic objectives, which is industrialization, transformation, and building a capable state. I think with those strategic objectives, it looks like uh, the department um, has actually hit uh, the nail on the head. In in in, in um, driving uh, reconstruction and a recovery plan, and as we know that um, as it would relate to a building a capable state. Um, which 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 ultimately has to um, yield a, a, a rather more sustainable uh, resilient and inclusive economy we 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 must emphasize the importance of a capable state uh, in the context of the district development model, which is really about giving expression to Section 40 of the Constitution, which is about cooperative, governance and intergovernmental relations in which case it's about spheres of government working together in a rather more integrative and integrated manner and in this regard um Everything else, yes, at the level of policy, we will uh, talk to those at national and perhaps to a certain degree at provincial, but where things are implemented at the end of the day is local government. And when it comes to local government, then your most economic enablers, they then come into the equation. And those obviously would be um, access roads, a reliable supply of water and energy, and this would then mean, as, 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 as a department, um, what kind of accelerated plan have we put in place to ensure that all those strategic partners are on board, in ensuring that those uh, enablers are also in motion. In this case, your Department of Water, your Department of um, 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 uh, Public Enterprise to the extent that uh, the work of ESCOM uh, is administered there, but also working together with the Department of Energy, especially uh, your independent power producers. How are they factored into the equation? Um, um, and and, and the, the, the strategy around the road infrastructure to the extent that it is looked at as an economic imperative or uh, as an economic infrastructure rather than a social infrastructure so which means there's there's a there's a level of uh, efficiency uh, with which uh, a a a response me- me- mechan- a, a response um, um, a mechanism is 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 activated and and, and the second aspect Uh, would obviously be around uh, transformation, which is really about creating opportunities for our people uh, which will empower them uh, in terms of equity, in terms of uh, participation in the uh, mainstream of economy I'm I'm, I'm raising this uh, uh, um, an honorable chair to, to, to emphasize the importance of PEE and or triple PEE for that matter because that is an important fundamental policy which deals with aspects of redress. I think, Chairperson, South Africans must always be reminded that South Africa has not just started in 1994. It is the democratic dispensation that started in 1994. And 1994 inherited decades and centuries of both colonial and apartheid regimes. Which, institutionally, deprived our people the opportunity to participate in the in, in wealth creation, in the building of the economy. There were there were barriers which, by law, were established and 1994 marked the break from that began to create an inclusive system and 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 that policy it is a policy which will continue to characterize the approach of redress And and, and, and and it will be important to also get a sense as to the extent to which, at the level of the department, um, we, we, we are deepening um, the use of those policy instruments so as to ensure that our people are given opportunities to participate in an inclusive economy. People of South Africa must know that the ANC-led government has a very deliberate and conscious decision when it comes to those policy compendium. Thank you very much, uh, Chair.
3: Honorable malamecha Thank you, honorable chair. Uh, colleagues,
8: thanks, the minister and your team. Let me take this opportunity to also emphasize that we really welcome this presentation. It's a very comprehensive presentation. You and the team, you are in a very difficult predicament, but you have managed to ensure that after difficulties that came unexpectedly, the arrival of COVID-19 still you still raises some hope for the country. The, the July-August unrest never stopped you to continue with your plan, a very comprehensive ERRP plan the plan that I think some of us we can attest here that the kicking starting of the SEC, the SEZ in 20 has brought hope to the entire people of Houdin. And we are therefore saying, should this happen in all areas where it is marked to kickstart, we think the economy of this country will be beat activated. And those that maybe are from a distance, not necessarily appreciating your good work, will start to realize that indeed you are doing a very good work. And one was also very happy to hear how you are covering the other pro, pro provinces, in particular those who are in the rural areas with your rural, inter- I mean, your rural development integration funds. Because this will also assist the likes of Mrs. Mbele, where the unrest has nearly shattered her hope of life in the country. But with this comprehensive plan and a very simple to understand, one thing there is a hope at the end of the tunnel. We want to thank you and further say, fast track the starting of this SEZ so that you are achieving your intention that seeks to initiate a social impact that will draw as comrade ben said earlier that the participation of the citizens the business people and other social stakeholders so that at the end of the day it is economy of everybody not the economy of others well others are made spectators in their own economy thank you very much sir.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Minister. Yes, we are looking forward to the upscaling of government economic policy as we transform this economy and rebuild it. Uh, Over to you, Minister, for responses and your team, of course.
4: Thank you very much, uh, Jefferson, to the Honourable Members for those uh, comments and the, the questions that have been raised. And um, <clears throat> I'd also like on behalf of the team to uh, appreciate the positive comments that were made. Uh, Honorable Mulder, the Honorable Tring, Honorable uh, uh, Burns Kamashi, uh, Honorable Malamecha, and Honorable Buyani all raised a similar issue around state capacity, state capability. And um, I think that goes to the heart of One of the big challenges we recognize that you can have good policies, but if you don't have the basic uh, mechanics in place to implement, then um, uh, those policies are not going to be achieving the results. And uh, I, I agree with honorable members that the single biggest challenge lies at local government level. But we also want to acknowledge that we think Uh, We have a lot of scope to improve further, even at national government level, and that a big part of our own focus and work will be to see what we can uh, address inside the DTIC and the entities for improved uh, state capability. It was very, very interesting uh, just working actively with the IDC and the NEF after the July unrest. Uh, I must have had something like, I think, 18 meetings between August and December with the IDC and NEF, going uh, every week through the work that they've done and then finding out how the current processes, even in some of the, um, the active agencies, uh, uh, were, were in, in many cases not fit for purpose and were not sufficiently responsive so while acknowledging and, and um, appreciating the positive comments, I think we also still want to be self-reflective and accept that we could do better as DTIC. The second leg of it is, of course, uh, on state capability, something that uh, Honorable um, Burns Namashi uh, has raised, uh, which is the interaction between different parts of national government. And uh, Honorable Mulder raised a similar point where uh, he spoke about uh, the example of energy, which is supplied by ESCOM.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: In our annual performance plan this year, so last year in the annual performance plan, we principally focus on how to integrate between different uh, programs of the DTIC and between the DTIC as a department and the entities. This year, we are putting forward a, um, a, an element of the work that the department has to do, is very close working with uh, uh, ESCOM, Transnet, with the other parts of national government, so that we are able to get a coordinated effort. So, your points, Honorable Mulder, are, are well made, and uh, Honorable Burns, mm-hmm. Namashi's uh, point to uh, around the key enablers. So let me illustrate with an example of local government. Um, while I, I want to emphasize that um, uh, we don't see the problem to be limited to local government, but that's where it is the most glaring part of it. Uh, in It must have been 2009 or early 2010. A foreign investor uh, approached uh, us to say that they were interested in setting up an operation in South Africa uh, on the um, crushing of uh, soya to produce chicken feed and oils and all the other byproducts that arise from uh, the crushing process. And they eventually identified Mpumalanga as as an important uh, uh, opportunity. Uh, We worked closely with them to get uh, all of the technical parts Sorted out, getting the necessary licenses, working with um, the different spheres of government. And they began building that plant. And there were some itches and difficulties, but eventually the plant uh, was completed. And anyone who drives through Standerton or the Lekwa municipality will, will know that very large, um, crushing plant there. Um, <clears throat> and we did similar things in Limpopo and elsewhere. We built a, a very significant uh, capacity in soya crushing, and we from becoming a net importer of uh, products, value-added products, we became a net exporter of value-added products. And then, based on the work that this company, Noble Resources, was doing, a a local company or a company that was um, uh, had an operation also in. Um, uh, uh, Standardton, and company called Astro. They do, among others, this, uh, chicken feed and so on. They uh, expanded their plant. They used the crushed uh, soya uh, beans as an additional element of the feedstock. But over the years, they became increasingly disillusioned with the poor service from Lequa municipality. Just basic water and electricity supplies kept on being interrupted. And there were no um, longer term plan that they could see that even if you have an interruption for a month or two, that you can see a real plan going ahead. And it got to the point where this company unusually had to go to court to to seek to compel the municipality to just render the services that uh, it is contractually obliged to supply and um uh, national government then put lequa municipality under administration uh in twenty twenty one and uh, uh Johann metler uh, was appointed as the lequa administrator and so in a sense is the representative of national government uh there and over a period of um i guess less than a year uh, there's already been Uh, positive signs that's come out of that, uh, improvements in the cash flow, uh, greater uh, openness to um, uh, the the needs of private investors, uh, sorting out the uh, challenges with the water and the electricity supply. And um, uh, even Astral's um, managing director was quoted in the newspaper uh, uh, earlier this year saying that there's definitely been improvement. There's still uh, a long way to go, uh, but that um, they're seeing now for the first time uh, the beginning of uh, a a turnaround. Um, Now, I give that example because obviously we're not able to put every local government under administration. We've got to find a different way of working with local government. Uh, so that we're able to provide an enabling environment for investment. So what the department is now doing is for the new financial year, uh, it will uh, help to develop an industrial plan uh, together with every municipality for the different districts. We may not be able to complete all 52 in one year, but we're going to be making a serious dent on it in doing so the idea is not for uh, the dtic sitting in pretoria to come up on paper with a plan or just to talk to investors but also for the dtic to work with local government and basically have a delivery compact that says we as the dtic are going to come in and support and assist but these these are the minimum things that we need from the municipality that the municipality must also uh, commit to uh, and that provinces need to commit to so that we have joined up government, government that speaks in one coherent way. Because Lekwa was a classic example where national government was working very hard to, to uh, get a uh, investor to come and put money into the local economy and create this massive plant, which in turn uh, led uh, another uh, chicken producer to expand their operations, so you had the makings here of something that could have led Lekwa to become a huge industrial hub around the production of soya, uh, chicken feed, uh, and chicken farming itself. And through poor service delivery, that gets um, get, that gets undermined. So we're going to be working uh, in the new financially in a new way uh, to. Uh, to have clear commitments from everybody. And we'll also have to give clear commitments as DTIC, what we bring. And um, Honorable uh, Malamecha has made some very positive and complimentary comments on the Tswane SEZ. And thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable Member. But the secret to Tswane was two things. The one thing was we essentially uh, tore up the old model of the SEZ. The old model is... A province would lobby a national government and say, we think you should do an SEZ year. National government would look at the business plan. If the business plan uh, looked uh, fine and the uh, technical officials uh, recommended it, uh, the minister would approve it uh, and would gazette a um, uh, an SEZ. Then from there, all that the national government did was it waits for proposals from that province. We're going to build these top structures. We need this uh, uh, water uh, 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 supply system to be done. Can you give us money? And national government would look at the budget. The DTIC would look at its budget. If it could afford it, it would make a sum of money available. And that was the, the really most of what the department did. In the swanee one, we took a completely different model. It was more hands-on, it was more active, and it was more partnership-driven. Uh, the moment we started the discussions with uh, Ford and they indicated to us that they would be prepared if there was an SEZ to um, encourage big investments in that SEZ, we, we uh, spent a lot of time working with them uh, the ex-DG really took time out from uh, his responsibilities as DG and just focused on trying to get all of that work uh, finalized. As we did that work, we then invited Swani to come into the discussion and we invited the Premier of Hauteng to come into the discussion. And uh, we, we made a, uh, a request that each of the three must bring something that this is not only coming in in order to make a verbal contribution and be there when the ribbon is cut, but um, when it comes to land that must be allocated, services that must be rendered, um, support for uh, cutting red tape, uh, financial support, all of that, we welded into a single package. And uh, we then said the DTIC is not going to stand aside. It wants to make sure that it has uh, at least a third of the representatives on the board must be appointed by the department. And it wanted to have a significant say in the appointment of the um, SEZ, uh, the, uh, the operator that would ensure that the SEZ construction takes place and that all these services are ended and so on. So by just playing that very active role, which of course we were not set up to do. So we had to create a special unit uh, uh, that that would do that work and that unit is now sitting in the IDC that could carry out and continue with that work. So the the secret of Swani was number one, a dedicated capacity we created in the DTIC, and number two, a partnership with the three spheres of government, where each one brings something to change the equation. We we want to 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 use that approach more actively in other provinces and in different districts to change uh, what we have uh, currently. So I hope uh, that um, uh, Honorable Burns Namashi uh, explains how we want to use the new model. In the context of the district development um, model, it means working uh, with the different districts and we will begin to have uh, a flagship project that over time going to roll out in every uh, district development. When I say roll out, they may often be, and it comes to to Honorable Mbuyani's question about what are the opportunities for different provinces with spatial development. Some provinces are very well endowed with mineral resources. So you may be able to get um, an industrial development that supplies the mines with equipment, with uh, services, in the Heifelt, Um uh, Industrial Park, for example, uh, we now are able to uh, have, it, when mining machinery breaks, instead of the mining houses having to send it to Gauteng to be fixed, inside Heifelt, uh, there's now a big workshop where they fix the, uh, the uh, machinery locally, and uh, they are able to cut the turnaround times and get the mines operational much quicker. In other provinces, you've got a very significant uh, agricultural sector. So there we may be looking at uh, agri-parks, which falls under another government department, Delrad. Uh, But I've already had discussions with uh, Minister Didiza to see how we can collaborate uh, there. Some provinces are important logistics hubs. Uh, KZN, for example, has got the Dube Trade Port, Gauteng as the Oartambo, and so they are connected very closely to the the, uh, uh, main airports, which allows us to have light manufacturing where you need to be able to move products very rapidly to different parts of the world. So we are trying to find comparative advantage that a province has and see how can you build. You can't sit in Pretoria and develop a plan for the country, you've got to look at what are the strengths of a particular area and partner with people there to bring that up and to um, to, to highlight it, to strengthen it. So that will be the approach that we take uh, with the district development model. Honorable Mulder is the really important point, and that is the question of ESCOM and industrialization. And uh, I want to, um, to acknowledge Honorable Mulder, it's, um approach uh, energy is critical to uh, to industrialization and it, it impacts on industrialization in at least three ways. The first is when you have um, load shedding, uh, essentially these massive industrial plants are engineered so that they've got to run continuously and um, uh, your, your cost structure is determined on the basis of utilizing your capacity around the clock. If you're uh, offline for a period, your entire cost structure goes up. Some industrial products, uh, particularly in uh, chemical industry, uh, not only have the costing affected by a continuous operation, but the product itself, uh, the, the technology needs to be I utilize constantly. Say, for example, if you make um, certain kind of extrusion pro- uh, projects with uh, polymer, basically the polymer gets melted in the machine and they could be made into nylon, they could be made into other products. If you have a uh, energy uh, outage, all of that essentially, when that machine stops working, everything hardens in the machine. You've got to reopen the machine and clean it out. So you you could lose a lot of time. And so some companies, when they don't have energy security, they're not able to, to run production because it'll be too expensive. So that's the first area. The second area is the price of energy. We've moved from being one of the lowest cost producers to being uh, one of the higher cost producers of energy. And the result of that is that the price competitiveness of South African uh, products are affected because energy is a big cost for many companies. The third way in which energy affects industrialization is in the long-term plans of investors. If an investor must decide whether it's going to expand its its operation in South Africa or it's a, a big industrial plant, they need to know that they have energy, that they can get a commitment from, the, uh, the energy supply, in this case, ESCOM for the next 10 years or 15 years, because you basically work out your business plan. You say, this is the money I'm going to put in. This is the production I'm going to achieve. Those are the price points. Uh, this will be my labor supply. This will be my energy supply, my raw material supply. That's your business plan. And no one will do a business plan if they don't know that they will get the raw material, the labor, the energy, and so on. And so currently ESCOM is constrained in some of the commitments it can make for the future um, because of the energy challenges. So in the uh, new APP, we will put more weight on the collaboration between DTIC and national departments and national entities. So that's now a specific element that um, honorable members will see inside one of the KPIs uh, as, as an area of of, of focus. On the uh, question of um, promoting uh, solar power that Honorable Mulder raises, it is an important element. What we do need to do is both for climate change reasons, but also to ensure uh, greater, greater security of energy supply, we have to diversify the sources of energy, the technologies that are used for energy. And so we're working on more solar, more wind, in the the new uh, uh, renewable energy IPP has opened up. So uh, 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 there will be a significant bidding process now to finalize it. The initial bids have been in and an announcement is expected. I think it is the end of April. So more solar energy is coming and will be coming into the grid. Among energy specialists, there's still a debate on how much energy do you need to have from what is called baseload sources. In other words, sources that works 24 hours a day, whether it is coal or whether it's nuclear, whether it's gas versus those ones that are in a pattern, for example, solar is only when the sun uh, 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 during the sunlight hours, and then a little bit of solar energy can be stored uh, through the um, concentrated so- solar solar uh, system, the CSP technologies. <clears throat> um, with wind, of course, it depends on uh, the the level of wind in different parts of the country. So those are that's outside of the area that um, uh, we in the DTICF. Uh, significant expertise. So we we follow the the advice of specialists in that area, but we're trying to de-risk with these multiple sources of energy. In the long run, the significant new source of energy will be green hydrogen energy. It is uh, potentially massively abundant. It's clean, and South Africa is well endowed with the sources of um, green hydrogen The problem with green hydrogen at the moment is the cost structures, the technology to produce energy from green hydrogen are not ripe enough yet. So the, the price doesn't compete favorably with other sources as yet. So South Africa is now committing to investing a lot more in these technologies because it's only with that investment that you can begin to bring the prices down on the, um, the export of raw materials uh, to other parts of the world. It's a theme picked up by Honourable Mulder. It's picked up very strongly by Honourable Tring. And um, Honourable Tring, of course, uh, has uh, made this uh, uh, an area of, of important focus in the committee for which we are our most um, uh, appreciative, uh, Honourable Tring. Now, let me start first with uh, a, a a broad comment on Beneficiation. We have proximity of minerals. Uh, they they mined in South Africa. They're available for minerals to be successfully and on a commercially uh, sustainable basis to be beneficiated. We need uh, a number of things, of which two of the more important ones are number one, energy, particularly. Uh, um, competitively priced energy. And secondly, the underlying technologies that would enable beneficiation. And so with energy um, uh, being uh, the big challenge at the moment, and I've I've responded to Honorable Mulder on the energy issue, that does weaken not only our overall industrialization effort, but in particular, beneficiation. Because when you think about it, almost any mineral that we mine, The beneficiation process is taking that mineral and applying two things to it, energy and human labor. Those two things transforms that into a a product that can make a machine or can make a a fuel cell uh, or can make something that uh, is the end product that gets used, either capital goods or consumer goods. And so uh, energy is critical. The second thing is we have uh, some minerals that are quite critical uh, to our beneficiation efforts. Iron ore obviously is one of it because we do have a steel industry that uses some of that iron ore. But we also have chromium. South Africa has um, these ferrochrome smelters and they have complained to us that they're unable to stay in the market because South African chromium producers sell the product um, uh, to other parts of the world, uh, China and and, and other other markets. And it is transformed there and some of that product is then sold back to South Africa. So we are in discussion with uh, the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy on the proposal to deal with uh, the issue through an appropriate um, export tax Ultimately, what would make an investor uh, come to South Africa and beneficiate a product here? It will be if we can get the price of the raw materials down or the competitiveness of our uh, plants and our operations uh, 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 improved. Those are the two drivers of uh, beneficiation, uh, cost and efficiencies. And so... um, uh, DMR is uh, is is considering the proposal. It's not something that sits in the first instance in the uh, legal instruments that um, uh, would be ordinarily available to the DTIC. So that is something that uh, colleagues are looking at. We also have enormous um, supplies of manganese. We now do the sintering of the manganese in South Africa, but the um, the opportunity is to do ferromanganese uh, production and beyond because manganese is a critical element in steel production. And uh, the IDC had been looking at projects uh, in the past to try to support greater beneficiation of uh, manganese. But often what comes up in uh, those projects is the cost structure. Uh, that uh, if we take everything into account, we don't give enough cost advantage to, uh, to the local beneficiation. On the um, uh, matters that um, uh, came up on um, uh, whether the DTIC is ready for the new challenges, and Honorable Mulder raises the issue around the um, conflict in Europe and the impact on South Africa uh, potentially. Yes, uh, Honorable uh, uh, Mulder, you, you're right to raise the issue because it is something whose effect we're beginning to see in some areas, but the full effect of which uh, will only become evident uh, with the passage of time. So the the impact would be one on the uh, South African supply chain. We we buy products from uh, uh, some of the uh, the affected uh, uh, territories. For example, we import a lot of fertilizers and fertilizer materials uh, from Russia, We import copper wire uh, and other products. But it's also in our exports. Our farmers sell quite a lot of their uh, citrus fruit and the apples uh, uh, in um, uh, uh, both uh, Russia and Ukraine. The bigger impact will also be on what the conflict does to global growth and global demand. Because whenever global growth goes down, then South African uh, exports suffer. And uh, we also, of course, are a big importer of things like oil. So um, the greater demand for oil, the uncertainty about supplies of oil impacts very, very greatly on oil prices. Uh, We are uh, also at the consumer level a big... um, Uh, a market, a big user of bread. It's a staple product in South Africa. And when wheat prices go up, given that Ukraine is uh, a major supplier of wheat globally, if their supply is interrupted, wheat prices across the world go up because everybody begins to um, future price the risks into the present price of wheat. And uh, that means that... um, uh, uh, South Africans who are reliant on uh, bread as a state for uh, more more price, higher prices. Uh, there could be challenges with availability. So the impact is definitely there. We've been through the first wave that it says, which was COVID, the second wave that it says, which is the July unrest. And um, we're looking carefully now to see uh, what impact uh, this conflict will have. Uh, and uh, we will need to to respond much quicker uh, than um, uh, we've responded to to the early phases of COVID to ensure that uh, our recovery is not um, uh, uh, undermined. But a lot depends, of course, on what happens to global growth. If global growth remains uh, strong, uh, then South Africa could benefit. Uh, Some commodity prices have risen, so South Africa is able Uh, to uh, secure a higher return for its exports of minerals. So it's a complex story where on some products we will pay more, on other products we can sell at a better price. Uh, But um, uh, conditions of peace uh, certainly favour long-term growth and investment prospects. Honourable Thring, I've spoken briefly on the SOEs But you are right that um, poor performance of a state-owned company is a drag on the economy. So what is being done, there's a few things that's being done. The first and most significant bit is uh, a a, a renewed focus on how to improve governance of the state-owned companies. The second element, because the first part of governance was trying to deal with corruption, trying to uh, get the influence of the Guptas out of, ESCOM and Transnet and so on. But it's not sufficient to only deal with corruption. Uh, important as it is, it's also to ensure that the governance arrangements are for purpose in looking at um, uh, the long-term viability of um, state-owned companies. And my colleague, uh, Minister Praveen Gordon, of course, is active and, and hard at work on that one. Uh, the president has also put in place a... Um, Uh, uh, a uh, commission on state-owned companies uh, which will provide a broader governance framework for state-owned companies and we've got uh, uh, some uh, persons from the private sector, we've got people who've uh, looked at the international experience and others all working now on the presidential state-owned companies um, uh, commission. The third uh, element of state-owned companies is to deal with uh, their historic debt. And I think the um, the president and the minister of finance has spoken to that, particularly ESCOM. The debt that had been accumulated in the past uh, pro- puts such enormous pressure on ESCOM uh, that their ability to trade themselves uh, into a more stable and sustainable area is, uh, is uh, of course, Um, A challenge. The fourth one is to bring those projects that have um, uh, been on a slow burner to to, uh, improve the speed of delivery and that is in particular renewable energy Uh, and uh, uh, the IPP office of course is now um, uh, not only advertised and processed uh, the new bid window but the next bid window thereafter is also being looked at uh, to see how it can be fast-tracked. But it's not just in energy. We're also in transport logistics. Transnet is doing more work now to think about a longer-term development plan. They're working with the DTIC to see how we can bring down the cost uh, of uh, the bottlenecks with the uh, shipment of cars from uh, the car makers in Swanee to export markets. And one element of that is to look at a new railway line uh, improvement and strengthening that would shift the vehicles um, from the current route to Durban uh, instead to a route in the Eastern Cape, uh, probably uh, Buffalo City. Then the um, next area that uh, Honorable Tring raised around beneficiation was the setting of targets uh, and timeframes. And of course, these are areas, as I've indicated earlier, that uh, are not within the um, mandate of the DTIC uh, to set a a target on uh, things like exports. Um, The export taxes are within the domain of National Treasury and the the policy around uh, minerals are with uh, DMRE. But we are working with them we did. We made some uh, smaller gains on beneficiation that we we've reported to. And fuel cell technologies. We used to import all of the fuel cells, even though South Africa is the major producer of platinum globally. But fuel cells are now being produced in the Dubai Trade Port, that is used by one of the big um, cell phone companies. I think it's Vodacom, to keep the energy supply going on the. Um, the masts that are used for cell phone um, transmission. We also have, of course, a big opportunity now uh, with um, renewable energy with this battery production that uses some of the minerals that we have. So um, uh, I, um, uh, I, I hope that we would be able to do better on beneficiation and lift it out more We've now moved beneficiation from being an area that was only a focus of one branch of the DTIC to one that a number of branches of the DTIC will be looking at. Honorable Tring, I should um, advise that I've not read uh, the Benedict Dube article. I would be looking forward to reading it. Um, But I can say that uh, there's certainly been deindustrialization pressures in KwaZulu-Natal that um, uh, uh, in particular following the July unrest that um, we, we were concerned about. But it's not only the July unrest. There's also uh, examples where investment is discouraged by uh, groupings at local area essentially engaging in criminal activities, and extortion to force investors to set aside 30% of uh, the investment project for them. And they often speak in the name of communities, but they come armed with guns and and other weapons. uh, And it's pure criminality in so many cases. And that's a law law and order matter, which we've raised with um, uh, the police that uh, would need to be resolved. So uh, KwaZulu-Natal has always been a very significant part of South Africa's industrialization drive. It still has some very important projects there. And there are examples of really good news uh, in KwaZulu-Natal that we can also lift out uh, to, um, I hope, at least to some extent, uh, mitigate and moderate some of the really bad blows we've had uh, one of it has been the um, uh, the work that Toyota and the auto industry has done to to make KwaZulu Natal a better base for its production. Uh, DeFi, which is a, a a maker of white goods, um, has consolidated their operations uh, from uh, the Eastern Cape into a, a mega operation in KwaZulu Natal, and uh, we are hopeful that they would be able to to increase production there, um, targeting the new opportunities uh, elsewhere on the African continent. There's a major paper mill project that uh, the uh, sponsors are just waiting for a date when we can come and do a ribbon cutting uh, in uh, KwaZulu-Natal. And there's a few other industrial projects like that. But we must not be complacent uh, unless we can resolve the underlying challenges Uh, in KwaZulu-Natal, and I would put um, the crime issue as a a significant one. Uh, We are going to have investors being cautious, and KZN is well-positioned to be a major driver of industrialization for South Africa, if we can get these fundamentals right. Honorable Mbuyani, thank you for the comments that you've made about the joint KPIs, Uh, and I think it's It's really the the concept that was developed last year that we're going to try to embed much more strongly in our annual performance plan for the new financial year. The IDC has been asked to align its work to these uh, key areas of focus of the department, uh, uh, particularly the industrialization and transformation ones but also the capable state to um, to improve the, uh, the turnaround times of the IDC and to move from being a adjudicator of projects that people come in where the IDC may say, yes, we support this or no, we don't support this into being more of a partner that says, we can't support the project in its current form but yeah, the challenges which if it can be fixed, would enable us to to overcome uh, the problem. So getting that mind shift from just being a banker that says yes or no to being a development banker or to be more than a bank that to be an industrializing agency is what um, we're working with the board now to embed inside the IDC. The IDC is now a partner in Uh, almost all of the master plans uh, uh, from the the steel master plan, where the IDC, of course, has a a desk that does uh, sector investments in the steel industry. It's been a big player in the past um, to clothing and textiles, where the IDC is now administering the clothing and textile uh, incentive uh, or support package that government has put in place uh, to areas like uh, the furniture industry, where the IDC will be putting up a, a new fund in partnership with the DTIC to promote furniture uh, production in South Africa. So there is that alignment taking place. Uh, Honourable Mbuyani raised the question of economic concentration and what is uh, the role of the NEF IDC and the department in this. So there's a few areas. The first is uh, the support that the department gives to uh, enabling market inquiries into highly concentrated sectors together with the proposals that come out of it. So honorable members will recall that the grocery retail sector is highly concentrated. A couple of uh, large supermarkets are have the vast bulk of uh, that market sewn up. And so what we do now is uh, the competition authorities looked at the uh, Uh, presence of retailers, grocery retailers in shopping malls, and they discovered these very long lease agreements where an anchor tenant, which would be one of the big grocery retailers, could have a 10-year lease, exclusivity lease, that would not permit any other um, grocery retailer to come in. And that means smaller players in particular never get into it because the larger players would each become an anchor tenant in a different um, uh, shopping mall. So the competition commission has acted against that. They've been able to to, uh, get uh, commitments from big retailers to discontinue that uh, in a number of shopping malls. So that's one example of uh, the action by the competition authorities. Now, it's not enough to use competition instruments The Commissioner of the Competition Commission has often made the point that the Commission can point to a problem, but unless there are new investors coming in with money and new production uh, capabilities, you you don't turn a problem into a solution. And so the IDC has now been asked, uh, met with the IDC and the Competition Commission and others in February this year, and we spoke about a more integrated approach where the development finance institutions work with ITAC and the competition authorities to ensure that we inject more competition into the domestic market, uh, each using their own uh, instruments to achieve that. Um, And then the other part of it is support for small businesses and also the work that the department does on um, mergers when there's, One company buys another company is to have public interest conditions. Uh, The competition commission looks at the competition Mm -hmm. side. The ministry looks at the public interest issues. And those public interest issues includes what support will be rendered to small scale farmers or um, uh, small suppliers or so. So when Coca-Cola did an amendment to their competition conditions, uh, we engaged them and they undertook to increase the... Uh, a procurement of sugar from sugar mills that use small scale farmers so that we also provide more opportunities for small players to enter those value chains. <clears throat> On industrial parks, uh, Honorable Mbuyani, the current model is not a good model. It's one where, similar to what I explained with the SEZs, the department is really a post box between. Uh, national treasury, and provinces. So uh, a province would put up a bid to say uh, we would like to revitalize our industrial park, we need new fence, we need security lights, and so on. Can the DTIC uh, make a financial contribution? And we would make the money available and we would get periodic reports on it. And that's the entirety of it. Uh, There's no commitment that we extract from that province to main, to ensure proper maintenance of the industrial park, to ensure that the rental that is charged to tenants are competitive and properly priced. Uh, we don't do much to uh, bring new investors into those industrial parks. And so the new model we're developing is going to learn from what we did in the SEZ in Tswane and go for a new approach to industrial parks. And on the 18th of May, when we come to the committee, we'll highlight um, some of those uh, those elements of the new approach. Honorable Burns, uh, Tom Valshi raised the issue of the capable state, which I've uh, spoken to, and the key enablers. what the state needs to do uh, to, to help stimulate industrialization is first, of course, we need to get infrastructure uh, in place. And so that infrastructure is energy, water, logistics, uh, ICT, or broadband, uh, and so on. And that, that would be things like the policy work on um, uh, ensuring uh, spectrum auctions, uh, and so on. The second thing that the state needs to address is crime and corruption. Crime so that, in fact, businesses know that their property is safe, and that they don't get this extortion that... I spoke about earlier where people masquerading uh, as representatives of the, the community, but brandishing guns try to extract uh, money from uh, investors. And corruption, because corruption uh, is a tax on businesses, but it's ultimately a tax on employment and a tax on development because it's poor people who suffer the most when there is corruption, when an official wants a um, project to to include their brother-in-law or to uh, get some money under the table uh, for approving uh, a a license, Uh, you don't put a cost on the investor because the investor will just shift that cost or the investor will simply not set up operations in South Africa, both of which hurts local communities and poor people. And so the state has to ensure that the fight against corruption is um, is stepped up. The third broad area besides infrastructure and the fight against crime and corruption would be um, enabling a trade environment. So for example, getting access to foreign markets for South African exports and uh, providing within the framework of the law, the necessary trade support to domestic players. And then, of course, the DTIC also has a, a structural a transformation component where we seek to help companies to improve their competitiveness, uh, their technologies, their know how, the training of uh, workers uh, in order to create for the manufacturing sector uh, a more conducive environment to growing. And so, getting all of that right is important. And, uh, Honorable Burns, Namasha, you've pointed to road infrastructure. When I look at small-scale farming um, in the Eastern Cape, in fact, not even small-scale farming, but subsistence farming, the reason why people very often in the Eastern Cape will be producing only for the local community and not for national markets is because of the lack very often just of a road that connect a village to a proper market that is able to buy the products. And so you, you you have these informal markets that are too small to um, uh, incentivize local communities to expand production. So road infrastructure is an economic imperative. You're absolutely right. On transformation, I think you've put the point very very well and very strongly around BEE, but I would say there are two other elements to um, uh, uh, well, a couple other elements to transformation. The one is to <clears throat> support transformation in which workers uh, of businesses get more opportunity to share in the the wealth that they generate and uh, it's been it's been some very good examples and it's uh, it's also helped to pioneer a new model of empowerment uh, in the country uh, workers across language culture Class, uh, all of the the or color, rather, all of the different things uh, that unite in these uh, worker ownership schemes, um, and then the second part is spatial transformation. To it's a it's a difficult one, and many countries in the world battle with spatial transformation. It's a big discussion in China, where they look at how can they move development from the ocean-facing provinces. To the inland-facing provinces, uh, from the export-facing provinces, uh, your Purple Delta, uh, the uh, areas around um, uh, the the big export hubs, and get more development in the northern parts of China. India is, is battling with with a spatial development uh, program, and even developed countries look at it. I mean, when the European Union was was formed, uh, a big part of the EU was providing the structural uh, transformation funds that assisted countries like Portugal and Spain and others, Ireland, uh, to develop because they were seen as underdeveloped regions of Europe. So across the world, it's a big challenge. So I would not want to take that out of the equation. And then, then finally, this very high levels of economic concentration that can limit young people from entering the economy. And I'm talking of Black South Africans who are young, but I'm even talking about white South Africans that are young. Uh, Both groupings are finding that uh, the entrepreneurship that they may have cannot find space when you have such high levels of economic concentration that locks out new players. And it means... Uh, that South Africa loses sources of growth. So we're looking at broadening the uh, transformation agenda to cover not only individual industrialists, but also workers and communities. We're looking at uh, um, not only promoting actively ownership of women, young people, and Black South Africans, but also addressing the spatial inequities and um, looking at uh, economic uh, concentration. Honourable Malamecha has raised a a point that I've responded to earlier, which is on the Tswani SEZ. And he makes a very sensible proposal, which is why don't the department take the learnings out of the Tswani SEZ and roll it out across the country? And it's uh, Honourable Malamecha, as if you've read our uh, our minds as, as if you were sitting in the internal discussions in the DTIC because that's what we, what we will be seeking to do now. There are challenges and I want to be frank about the challenges. The first challenge is our budget for spatial development is limited. We only have a set uh, sum of money that's available and that sum of money has to stretch a very long way. So we uh, We've drawn in our uh, Chief Financial Officer, the CFO, Shabir Khan, uh, uh, in a meeting, I think it was uh, either last week or the week before that, uh, when the Deputy Ministers, Deputy Minister uh, Gina and Deputy Minister Majola, and I sat with the uh, the DG, the CFO, and the uh, relevant DDGs to look at how to reposition our special program. And we looked, among others, at the budget. And so the question was, how can we make that budget stretch much more? Of course, we're also going to try to get more money from National Treasury. Um, but given the uh, the challenges the Treasury has to balance, we don't want to make the entirety of our program dependent on getting more money. Some of it has to be in using our money more smartly. and squeezing more money from uh, provinces uh, as co-partners in this and creating a more conducive environment so that the private sector can also bring more money in. Private sector is obviously not going to bring money into the same areas that the state brings in. We may bring it in, say, for bulk infrastructure, but they may be able to bring in uh, into other areas like um, the top structures or... They will bring in the big investment um, that will then uh, buy the machinery and set up the operations and so on. So honorable, uh, Malibu, um, that's that's the approach we want to take. What complicates our life is not just budget. It's also that we now want to broaden the focus of the department. Instead of the department only looking at its 10 SEZs and its more than um, 50 uh, – uh, industrial parks that are run by the provinces. We want the department to look at all 52 districts and develop over the next couple of years and an industrializing initiative in every of the districts, either a new one if there's nothing in place or to revamp and strengthen one if there is one in place or if there is nothing that the state has in, in mind is to support private sector industrial initiatives. Sometimes in the mining area, we're working at the moment with a big mining house, uh, who is in the Northern Cape, and they believe that they can do more to uh, stimulate industrialization in the Northern Cape through a Supplier Development Park uh, located closer to their operations. So that's really where where we are moving now. And, um, of course, all of these areas uh, require solid infrastructure. Uh, Honorable Burns Amash's point about road infrastructure. And on the Ministerial Committee on the Budget, um, one of the issues that I would do is to raise the importance of road infrastructure, water infrastructure, and energy infrastructure being funded. Um, But it also means... And this is where the president has been uh, focusing the, uh, the, the area of work that we need to do, unlocking more that can be done uh, from private investors in boosting industrialization and manufacturing. Uh, thank you very much, Chair. I hope I've covered all of the different questions that came up uh, from uh, honourable members.
0: Thank you very much, yes, I think you did. I don't see any further follow-up hands, Minister, so thank you very much for this engagement. And I think as a PC, there were were a few occasions where you mentioned uh, uh, while making your presentation that you would like to come to the committee to give us more information on certain aspects. So um, we will um, let you know you know when we can uh, schedule it so that it fits into your program and we are kept up to date on developments thank you very much minister and your team we now go to our second um item for for today um which is the i think the public protectors report um Yeah, consideration of the first draft of the Public Protector's Report on the Toyota Quantum um, Remedial Action. Um, Can I just check with the Committee Secretary? I don't have my agenda open. Minister, did you want to make a comment?
4: Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Chairperson, I I, I was specifically uh, requested to be present for the first item, I want to find out if, uh, with your permission, uh, I could be excused, uh, given that that item is now completed.
0: Yes, thank you very much, Minister, and your team. Thank you very much.
4: Thank you very much to all the honourable members.
0: Thank you. Can we just have the agenda again?
2: Um, Chair, you are correct. The next Um, item is is what you said. So if we can flight the report, would that be okay, Chair? Yes, please do so. Thank you. Um, Chair, if I may take members through the draft report, Chair, would, would that be in order? That's in order. Proceed, Ms. Dermons. Um, Chair, the report that we have before us is report of the Portfolio Committee on Trade and industry on the Public Protectors' Report on a Systemic Investigation into Allegations of Illegal Conversions of Goods Carrying Toyota Quantum Panel Vans, into passenger-carrying minibus taxis to transport members of the public for reward dated. It will be dated on the day we will formally adopt it. And then the, the report follows as, as follows. I'll go start from number two, Chair. On the 7th of May 2019, the Public Protectors Report, and I won't read a long title, was, was was referred to the Portfolio Committee on Trade and Industry for consideration and report with specific reference to the matters falling within its ambit. The committee was required to consider whether it was satisfied with the remedial action taken by the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition to take urgent and appropriate steps to harness and foster good, effective, efficient work relations between the National Regulator of Compulsory Specification, the NRCS, and the South African Bureau of Standards, SAPS, as well as to ensure that these two entities complement each other in the interests of government, members of the public, and any other applicant may be in need of this service. Therefore, it should be noted that the purpose of this report is not to discuss the merits and demerits of the findings of the public protector with regard to its investigation, but to focus on and determine whether the remedial action determined by the public protector has been implemented and whether the committee was satisfied with the steps taken by the minister in this regard. Furthermore, it should be noted that the remedial action determined by the public protector is binding until set aside by the court of law and judicial review. Therefore, compliance with remedial action is mandatory. The Department of Trade and Industry and Competition, together with the NRCS and SABS, briefed the committee on 23rd of February and 9th March respectively, where they expressed a view on the findings, the DTI's decision not to take the remedial action, or some of the findings on the judicial review, and further highlighted the steps taken by the Minister to address the remedial action recommended by the Public Protector. In their presentation on the 23rd of February 2020, the NRCS and SABS informed the committee that no remedial actions were directed at them. However, in their view, the Public Protectors Report contained a number of factual and legal inaccuracies which would have supported the position to take the report under review. As the NRCS and SABS are entities reporting to the DTIC, they informed the committee that these entities had sought permission from the DTIC to take the report under judicial review within 30 days of its publication. However, the DTIC informed the committee that as no direct adverse findings were made against the department, or, it's, or the entities reporting to it. It was of the view that in the spirit of cooperative governance, it will not be supportive of such an approach. Therefore, uh-huh. as a result of this decision not to take the matter under judicial review, the Minister is in fact bound to implement the determined remedial action. Uh-huh. In light of the buff, the committee then requested the DTIC and its entities to brief the committee on the 9th of March on the steps taken by the Minister addressing the remedial action prescribed in the report. The DTIC informed committee that the minister subsequently complied with the remedial action and had facilitated the recreation of a memorandum of understanding that formalized the areas of cooperation and co- collaboration between the NRCS and SAPS. As a result of the MOU, a joint working committee comprising of representatives of both entities was established to manage cooperation and consultation on matters dealt with by both entities to implement mutual agreed programs and projects and to share three to share information. Furthermore, the GTIC informed committee that joint, that joint management meetings between the NRCS and SABS have been instituted to deal with operational issues to further, further foster collaboration and cooperation. The DTS informed committee that this will continue, that it will continue to monitor the implementation of the MOU to ensure ongoing compliance with remedial action from the public protector. Therefore, the committee, having considered all the facts presented to it, was satisfied with the steps taken by the minister and was of the view that he had complied with the remedial action as prescribed by the public protector. So that is the draft report that we have um that's before the committee for the consideration and input, chair. Thanks
0: Thank you very much so uh what is it that you want out of this meeting? So this is the first draft sorry chair
2: this is the first draft if members uh, um are before the draft to members. members input if members are satisfied on what we have captured is accurate and correct the members can formally move to adopt or if members wish to 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 take some time we can consider the matter tomorrow at its next meeting chair so we can conclude the business on the matter today if members satisfied that what's reflected in the report is accurate and they are in support of, of that view or if members wish to take a day to look at it and come back tomorrow, we can consider it tomorrow, Chief. So it's in the committee's hands, Chief, how we proceed.
0: Thank you very much. We have the report, uh, members. Can I see any discussion? And whether you want to have more time to consider the report or whether you wish to adopt the report as tabled here. It has been circulated to you. Can I take input from members? Chair, Mr. Mbuyani.
1: Honorable yes. Uh, Chairperson, thank you once again. Uh, Chair, I'll propose that we, we adopt the report uh, as presented. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Honorable Mbuyani. Can we have the seconder for the uh, motion to adopt the report as read out by the PC secretary, Honorable Motawo?
1: Thanks, chair, for the opportunity. I second the adoption of the report.
0: Okay, so there we have it, uh, um, Mr. Hermans. The report is now adopted. I don't see, see? any hands for yes.
2: Just to, to just in terms of procedure, to ask if there's any objections, so that we clear there's no. Okay.
0: Objections. Yeah, I was just going to say I don't see any hands objecting to the ob- to the uh, uh, objection to the adoption of the report as tabled. Any objections, PC PC members? No, none. So we take the report as adopted. Thank you very much. Um, As a conclusion to uh, this uh, to the sitting of the PC, if we can just uh, make a note uh, committee, uh, Sorry, the, the, can we just make a note as a secretariat on the issues that the minister said that he would like to return to the PC on? I think I picked up two occasions, but I think we must just uh, capture it in the minutes and then we can process it going forward. Otherwise, I hand over to the PC secretary to inform us of our next meeting.
2: Chair, our next meeting is is tomorrow and we will be dealing with um, the briefing by the National Consumer Tribunal on its financial and non-financial performance for the 2021-22 financial year. Chair, we will also, as part of committee business, deal with the committee program for the second term, as well as um, the oversight programs we will present to the committee tomorrow, hopefully, Chair. That okay. is that is currently on the committee program chair. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Can I thank everyone for uh, being in this meeting and for their valuable contributions? Uh, we'll meet again tomorrow uh, as we have been briefed by the secretary. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day.
3: Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Long way, Long way, the Thank you.